0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig
1: Roberts. What is going on? That is a question that we're hearing more frequently these days as we look at the spread of violence from the streets to even the freeways of the San Francisco Bay Area. An uptick in violent crime, robberies, gang violence. Leading many Bay Areaans that have been here for a good time to ask the question, "What is going on?" Well, with some insights, we're joined by the author of the best-selling book, "Successfully Raising Young Black Men," a companion book, "Successfully Raising Grandchildren," and another book that seems to be almost predictive with many of the challenges we're facing today. How to survive and thrive in times like these? In two volumes. Joining me is Reverend Doctor Kevin Barnes senior, senior pastor of the Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church with campuses in Vallejo and in Oakland. And Bishop Barnes, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today.
2: Thank you also. We're certainly excited about uh, about being a part of this program. And there are so many things uh, that's going on right now. And um, we, we want uh, people to understand that the Lord can fix it, whatever it is, that he definitely could fix it.
1: I know that I'm I'm raising a, a jam-packed loaded question in in sure. proposing the question what is going on but you know if we look at what's happening in the news these days and it, it, seemingly not a day goes by that there's not gun violence on the streets gun violence now on the freeways armed robberies It almost seems as if, particularly post-COVID, there's a degree of the fabric of our society that seems to be unraveling. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, Bishop Barnes, how much of it goes back to spiritual issues and, and perhaps even challenges that the family is facing. I mean, so often we have families these days that if there's two parents present, that's considered an enormous benefit. Oftentimes, both parents right. are working, struggling to make right. ends meet. I just read a report the other day of the 10 most expensive cities in the entire nation, Fully five of them are right here in California, and we're probably not at all surprised to find out that number three on the list is the San Francisco Bay Area. I wonder how much of this, too, is contributory to ultimately what I've got to believe is at the core a spiritual problem.
2: Oh, absolutely. I definitely agree that it is a spiritual problem, but one of the things that I think is happening and as we see the violence, as we see all of the things going on in the Bay Area especially, I think the problem is is that of raising their sons and daughters. I think that's the biggest problem. Uh, There was a time that uh, people didn't allow uh, their children just to do anything. And I think that we're at a point now with all of the computers and all of the, the advances that we have in terms of those things that people are allowing the kids to run them. I, in my book that I talk about successfully raising young black men, first of all, what you mentioned about the father has to be there. And uh, there's a difference between a daddy and a father. And uh, a daddy is the one that makes the baby, but the father is the one that stays there and take care of the baby. And I think right now we have just uh, running loose and not allowing Uh, The spirituality part And raising our kids in church One of the things that I tell people all the time Is that you can't allow your kids To say whether I'm going to go to church You gotta take them You follow what I'm saying? To church You can't allow them to say Well I'm gonna stay home And I'm going to stay with my Playstation Or whatever else The parent has to be a parent And too many times The parent wants to be a friend Rather than being a father And a kid don't need a friend They got friends at school (laughs) <laughs> they got friends everywhere else. They need a father to be there or a, a parent to be there to give them directions. And I think one of the biggest problems that is happening right now is that the parents are not you know, raising their kids. Uh, the way that they're supposed to raise
1: it. And of course, the irony with that, and you talk about this in the book, that if you don't raise your kids, somebody will do it for you. And, and, and I'm exactly. struck, there. there's a passage inside of successfully raising young black men. When you talk about the importance of parents' Hugging their children. And you know That's what's true. interesting because if you if you drive through certain parts of San Francisco or Oakland or South San Jose, you'll often see groups of young men gathering on a corner and when they meet, they greet each other with a hug. And I'm wondering Absolutely. if maybe part of the lesson here that we really need to pay close attention to is the notion that if you're not a parent to your children, somebody else is going to raise them for you. And if if you can't provide the kind of God-structured family for them, it doesn't erase the need for that connection with family. It just means they're going to go and find it elsewhere. And maybe one of the big substitutes we're seeing today is if young men don't find that connectivity of family at home, they're going to find a sense of family connection out on the streets with gangs. Is that true?
2: I I would agree with you 100%. Uh, Oftentimes I've went uh, and I've done uh, uh, conferences about it. We have a thing called It's a Man Thing. And that's one of the uh, big, important parts that we deal with, with the fact that, watch this, is that that hug is so important. And uh, one of the reasons I believe that many young men join gangs is because they don't get that affection, that love, uh, that hug from the parents. And I, I have a saying in my book goes, uh, hugs will prevent thugs. You follow what I'm saying? It's because of the fact that if you don't hug them, then, you know, don't. What you expect? What a hug does is that it let them know that I'm here for you and let them know that if you're falling, I will catch you and let them know that, you know what I mean, that you have somebody that care about you. And if you ever see any gang members or any gang around, well, the first thing that they do is they hug one another. And that is giving them the confidence to know that even if you can't handle it yourself, that you got somebody here. And that's what the parents have to get back to, back to hugging uh, their children. And uh, I, I use an example often Times, uh, is that a hug really says that everything is going to be all right. And right now with, with the COVID and with the economy, with all these other things that are going on, people don't think that it's going to be all right. And so they lose hope. And so the hope that they have is, I tell them that we need a Jesus. We need Jesus, but sometimes we need Jesus with skin on him. Somebody that loves God so much that they don't mind putting their arms around somebody. And if you don't have a father around, when you look at the statistic, they say that 80% of the young men that are in prison grew up without a father. So now what we need is some surrogate fathers. We need some fathers in the church. We need some fathers uh, that, that's not my kid. Listen, I tell people this all the time. One of my sons, uh, his name is Keith. He's a chef, Chef KB, he's doing great. He's making his own money, Uh, never been in any trouble. I have another son named Kevin Jr. He's doing great, he's a music producer. I have another son uh, that's uh working, uh you know all of them have their own idea uh, idea in ter- identity in terms of who they are. I was there for them. My wife and I have been married for forty four years, but now the key to it is that we were there for them. And we didn't become their friends. We became their parents. And, and what we tried to tell people all the time is that you can't be their friends. You have to be their parents. And one of the things that happens is, is that just because my my kids are doing OK, I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not I'm not satisfied with that. I have very I have a lot of surrogate kids, myself that I take care of, that I try to give direction I'll give you this example I went to AutoZone on yesterday and I went in there and uh, my son the chef is very well known especially in the the Vallejo area and so I went in and the young man says, uh, hey, pops, you look like you're doing pretty good. I said, yeah, man. I said, but there's a secret to it. He said, what is, the, what, what is the secret? I said, do you know my son Chef KB? He said, absolutely. I said, the secret to it is, is understanding and accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And when you get that, All of the things are possible. You follow what I'm saying? But you have to start somewhere. He started smiling and he said, I can't wait to come and hear you preach that word. Because if you are preaching out here in AutoZone, you definitely have a word for us. And I think that what parents have to do is get these kids, man, get them back involved. Uh, We have a thing that's going on at both of our locations right now. We got to go get them. They cannot teach. They must be taught. They will not come. They have to be brought. You follow what I'm saying? And so this is what we're teaching our people that we reach out and share the love of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that's gonna change this community. That's the only thing gonna change the mindset. That's the only thing that's going to have others to love one another. Just because uh, you and I didn't grow up together doesn't mean that I don't love you. You follow what I'm saying? It's the love of Jesus Christ that comes out that it was poured into me. Now I'm pouring it into others. And if we could get others to just stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to go get them. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to go get them that they would know the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: You know, and uh, there's a passage of scripture that I love to quote that just so nicely fits hand in glove with what you're what you're saying, Bishop Barnes. And that is this, that we are told to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. That's right. I think so often we kind of think, you know, the old hang out a shingle, they shall come mentality or parents that feel (laughs) as if, well. I'll just be here. I'm here waiting on them. And I think that sense of being more yes. engaged—whether it's engaged in the community, engaged in the church, engaged in your child's life—is right. critically important. Because, as you point right. out, there's that need, and they're going to go wherever they can to get that need fulfilled. And sadly, you know, in the case of a lot of a lot of kids these days, even in terms of, of human contact with their own parents, if it ever happens, it's only because Absolutely. it's at, at the receiving end of the swatch or the stick and never that that engagement with hugging to reassure a child that yes you're making a mistake yes you need to be disciplined but don't confuse discipline with not loving you in fact failure to discipline i believe sends a message to a child you don't care and if they feel as if you don't care that sends the signal to them that you don't love them
2: is exactly right, exactly right. I share this uh, with, with people all the time uh, as I go out and do these conferences and things of that nature. I share with them that there was an occasion that my uh, son, we had a rule at my house. And I think that you have to get back to having rules uh, in your house. Uh, parents have to have some type of rule. We have a rule in our house and the rule that we grew up on is that everybody had to be home at midnight. I don't care where you're going, I don't care when you're going, 12 midnight, everybody. If you're living at our house and you're 47 years old, you still got to be there at 12 midnight. It's just a rule. Uh, and I think that it really worked. But I remember the occasion, man, that my son, uh, my son, Keith, Kenneth, uh, he went out. He said, Pops, can I go to the basketball game? And I said, sure, you can be at the basketball game. I said, but you know the rules. He said, I, he said what's the rules? I said, you have to be back here at midnight. Well, he said, OK, 1148, he wasn't home. 11.53, he wasn't home. I was sitting in my chair. And you know that if you're over 50 years old, you have your own chair, <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? The one that's pointing right to the door. So I, nobody sits in my chair. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine, mine, right? And so uh, as we were sitting in the chair, uh, it, it became 11.58 and he walks in the door. He's upset, He's he's upset. He looks at me and he turns his head and he went upstairs to his room. He's 16 years old, he looked at me And he turned his head and he went upstairs. Well, when he did that, I just waited for a while. And his mom came down and his mom says, well, what are you gonna do, Uh, Kevin? He said, he got in here on time. I said, yes, he did. I said, yes, he did. (laughs) And I just waited a little while because you cannot discipline them while you're angry. You have to wait a while. And so what I did was around two o'clock in the morning as he was sleeping, I woke him up and I said, Kenneth, Kenneth. And he looked at me, he said, what pops, what pop, what pop? I said, let me share something with you. I said, let me show you something. Don't you ever come in my house and not speak to me when you walk in. I don't care whether you like the rules or you don't like the rules. I said, matter of fact, give me this blanket. It's mine because you don't have a job. Give me the sheet. It's mine. And I took the sheet. And I said, matter of fact, the toilet paper that you wipe your butt with, it's mine. You follow what I'm saying? And until you can understand, this is a discipline that you're going to understand. You can, This is my house. It is not yours. And I think what happens, a lot of parents allow the kids to be ownership of their house. It's the parents. They don't even work. How can you make demands and you don't work? And uh, he understood it. And when my son had a kid, I see the same thing in his kid. He's disciplining him in the same way. And of course, his kids haven't been in trouble. And I think that we got to get back to that discipline, uh, our children and uh, let them know that with the discipline, just like you said, it's a love discipline. It's not a, it's not a hitting them. It's not, you know, what I mean, uh, trying to bruise them, but it's a love thing. And if you don't if you love your child, you will discipline them. And if you don't love them, you're going to let them do whatever you want, because kids, they want somebody father or mother they want somebody to give them some discipline because if there's no discipline they're going to do whatever they want to do when they want to do it how are you going to do it and so i think we need to bring back discipline the way it's supposed to
1: our conversation today with reverend kevin barnes senior senior pastor of the abyssinian missionary baptist church we'll take a brief time out return to more of our conversation in just a moment
0: and now back to lifeline with craig roberts
1: Welcome back. We're talking with Bishop Kevin Barnes Sr., Senior Pastor at Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church. Bishop Barnes, I want to return to where we left off just a moment ago. You know, the interesting thing in, in an analogy I think we can all relate to coming through this recent spat of storms that have wreaked so much havoc across the San Francisco Bay Area. And you've seen these huge trees falling on houses, destroying property, sometimes even killing people. Right. And in many right. cases, it's been interesting. The news has interviewed arborists and people that are that are in that, that field. And they've often said, well, part of the problem here is that the tree didn't grow in the right direction. It's lopsided. It's top-heavy. It's not been pruned back. It hasn't been cared for. And, and so as a result, it kind of got out of control. And then when the big storm rolled through, wow. instead of standing strong, it just toppled over. Why? Because the roots aren't deep enough and the top hasn't been trimmed enough. And I, I think wow. back to that image of the, the, the pruning of the vine and how the Lord prunes each and every one of us. And I wonder, Bishop Barnes, in, in your opinion, is there, is there a similarity here in terms of parents needed to take the time to, to prune their children, or, or more accurately put, to, to lovingly discipline them and train them up? I mean, the scene that you describe in your household when your son came in and kind of gave you shade on the way up to the bedroom, and your response yes. demonstrates that you cared enough To discipline him, not to hurt him, not to break his spirit, but to make sure that as he grows up, he's going to grow up straight and tall, not lopsided to one way or the other, deep roots, so that then when the storms of life will eventually come, when he's a parent or later on in life, just because life happens to all of us, that he'll have the capacity to stand through those tests, those storms, those torments, and be able to survive and thrive.
2: I agree one, I agree 100%. And God loves us so much, that's why he disciplines us. Right. God the Father, he loves us and he disciplines us. We get out of line and he straightens things up. And oftentimes when I look at it, I look at, uh, my sons, the three sons, and, um, when I look at them, I, you have to show them the different, uh, specters of things in terms of, um, all three of my sons. i never forget. And I give, uh, parables, or I give examples all the time that people would understand it. And I'll never forget, I, I took my sons to an a Oakland Raiders game. Never forget, we got 50-yard line seats. I'll never forget it. Uh, they cost me probably about $300 and some dollars apiece. And I didn't really have the money to do that, but I wanted to show them something. We were sitting right next to MC Hammer. Can't, t- can't touch this. He was sitting right next to us. Really good seats. And uh, it was amazing. And my son said, "Pops, you taking us to? The, we had the game, and the uh, of course it was a bad game because San Diego beat us fifty-two to nothing. It was a horrible <laughs> game, but nevertheless, uh, <laughs> nevertheless, Kevin, Kevin Winslow, I think he had five touchdowns. But anyway, uh, we we sit at this uh, fifty-yard line, man, and I was looking around, and I and I, I thought about the humble beginnings that that I've had in my life, and I thought about how God has been so good. Uh, to us, how my mother raised us on welfare, and and how she took care of us, but she always shared the scriptures with us God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, she always had a word uh, a timely word for our lives but anyway, we went to the game and my sons enjoyed themselves money I didn't have but I took them I wanted them to see something that if you do what God says there's nothing that can stop you from being successful you could go to these games anytime you want to if you do what the Lord says but then I didn't know, just take them to the game I also took them to a place in uh, in West Oakland where people were hungry because I wanted them to see that part as well. You follow what I'm saying? That listen, it, it's not just, uh, it, you, you can't be so high that you forget about those. The only times that we're supposed to look down on somebody is if we're trying to help to pick them up because God don't love just you, God loves everybody. And we try to bring that to the kids. And now I see, and what I'm so thankful for, seeing what God is doing, the results of it right now, to see them. And, and I tell people this all the time. If you have a son or daughter, Take them to some places that they've never been before. Take them to an opera. Take them to a a, a, a show. Get the front seats. And the reason is, is because you want to show them the possibilities that are there. You follow what I'm saying? But then also take them to skid row so they could all, also could see that there's more to it than just stuff. You follow what I'm saying? And so I did that with my sons. And now uh, they go to the game if they feel like it or whatever else. And they also make sure my son, my son, that's a chef. He gives away food as well. Because of these incidents that happen in his life, he wanna take care of other people. He go we I go out with him. We go out and take food to people. At our church, we give th- we give away three hundred bags of food every Thursday. And on Sundays, uh we we say we have some food left over because now our congregants, they need food as well. And so we give out food again, uh not just spiritual food, but we give out tangible food as well. We give out eggs and, you know, the poetry, all kinds of things that we can. And my point is is that we got to get to the point as parents and everything else is don't forget about our children. And they didn't ask to come in this world. And so we got a responsibility. And I think one of the things that happened is is that people don't want to have responsibility.
1: Our conversation today with Reverend Kevin Barnes Sr., Senior Pastor of the Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church. We'll take a brief time out, return to more of our conversation in just a moment.
0: And now, back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back. We're talking with Bishop Kevin Barnes Sr., Senior Pastor at Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church. Bishop Barnes, let's pick up the conversation where we left off. Now, one of the words that you used earlier, and, and Bishop Barnes, perhaps you can kind of elaborate upon this, you know, there there's oftentimes that notion we talked sure. about the single-parent family, that, well, there's a mother next door struggling, but it's not my problem. And yet, if her child doesn't have the proper discipline gets involved in a gang, and then one day goes to your house and breaks in and robs you, well, now it is your problem. So I think there's a strong motivation, not only from a societal standpoint, but more importantly from a scriptural standpoint, for us to be engaged, to be giving. And a a word that I I think is kind of maybe by some considered to be old-fashioned, but I think it's an important one, and that is the word mentoring. That while it might not be our child, but I think... Bishop Barnes, there are so many folks out there. There are grandparents whose grandchildren live far away. There are retired individuals who've spent a lifetime building a family, building a life, building a career that are an absolute fount of information and knowledge and wisdom that can and should be passed on to younger generations. Speak to this notion of the responsibility, I think, quite frankly, all of us, whether you have kids or not, whether you're in your 50s or in your 90s, the opportunity, if not the responsibility we have to be mentors to young people today?
2: Absolutely. That's kind of like what I was speaking about, about being surrogate fathers. You know, we cannot be satisfied with just my children doing okay or just your kids doing okay. What about the kids uh, around the corner that don't have a parent? One of the things I think that happens is, is that we oftentimes brag about the kids with a 4.0 average, and that's good. But what about that kid that has a D average? You follow what I'm saying? And we got to wrap our arms around those kids and encourage them and love them. Uh, When you spoke about grandparents, I thought that that was great. I just got back from Louisiana. They use, in my hometown, watch this, they use my book, Successfully Raising Grandchildren for their uh, curriculum. And we went on a bus drive and we went, uh, you know, a train ride and the parents I'm talking about 50 or 60 grandparents was learning how to deal because now we're living in a time where the grandparents now have to take on the responsibility. Well, they are taking on the responsibility in terms of raising the kids, but they don't know how. Because they didn't know how to raise their own kids. And so the responsibility comes, if I don't know something, let me get with somebody that, d- that does know it. Uh, Yvonne, there's books out there. there is, uh, and, uh, and I tell people this all the time. The books that I wrote, it's not the only way, but it is a way. You follow what I'm saying? It's not the only way, but it is a way. And, certainly,
1: and certainly superior to no way, which which oftentimes <laughs> happens. I think, folks, you know, <laughs> you, th- you think about the parenting that grandparents do. Boy, there, there's there's a hybrid job where you have to be the disciplinarian. You have to provide leadership and guidance and, and boundaries. Right. And yet, at the same token, you're, you're always mindful in the back of your head. They're still my grandchildren, so you also still want to spoil them. And so equipping exactly. those people to understand sort of this hybrid slash parent slash grandparent role, critically important.
2: It's very important. And that's why, again, we uh, do all that we can to try to share with them. Uh, It was like uh, my grandson, Kevin, uh, Kevin Three. Well, he spilled some milk on the table. And when he spilled milk on the table, he and I was eating some breakfast. And he kind of like, he kind of like, oh my God, I spilled some milk because his father would probably, you know, yell at him or something like that. But as a grandparent to tend to love him, Hey, get some cricket picker upper. Nobody don't care about the milk that you spill. You know what I'm saying? And the reason is, is because of the fact that as grandparents, we have more patience now. We have more um, more, more tolerance for things right now. And, and that's what I teach in my book, that you gotta have tolerance. You have to have patience with your kids. Uh, and we gotta go back to responsibility. If my sons do not take care of their children, I gotta take on that responsibility. And uh, many people are afraid, even when it comes to a ministry, Church and everything else. Uh, people want to go and sit there, get all the information, but a lot of times they don't want to do nothing with it. You got to get this information and go out. He said, go ye therefore into all the world. You follow what I'm saying? When I talk about that, it's the place. You, we have There's, there's no limit where we could share Christ, he says, and then he tells us the preaching, because he says that go ye into all the world, and he says do something, preach, well maybe you say I'm not a preacher, but even if you're not a preacher, you could take a message, you could take a message, Mary Magdalene did, you follow what I'm saying, uh, so you could take a message, female, or male, or whatever, you could make sure that that message is there, and then he gives us the promise, you know what I mean, because even Abraham said he staggered not. At the promises of God. He staggered out. He didn't doubt God. And I think that's what we have to get back in the hearts and the minds of the people of God. You can't doubt God. God is still a uh, 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 blessing. God is still able to open up the doors because he did told us he is the door. God is still able to be your shepherd. He's still able to do things. And I think that we got to get it back where uh, people now get the word of God and allow the word of God to transform their lives.
1: And I think those grandparents who maybe are sometimes frustrated that might even take the position sure. of, well, it's not my job. You know, I've raised my kids. Now it's my daughter's or son's job. It's not my job. Well, it might technically exactly. not be your job, but here's what it is. It is your legacy. That child has your blood, I love it. your flesh, I love it. your name. Sure. And your legacy. And so then the question becomes, do do, do, do you want to step up and help train up that child as well because it's part of your legacy or choose to look the other way? Uh And I think if you choose to look the other way, it's a price that ultimately we all pay. One of the things that you talked about earlier, Bishop, and and, and this seems to be, from what I understand, so integral to the the heartbeat and the vision of Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church, and and that is Mm -hmm. the notion of hope. You touched on the fact that oftentimes what is motivating young people today to act out in the way that they are is because they have a sense of hopelessness, be it hopelessness in terms of opportunities, of financial doors, of the monumental challenges they see. I mean, my goodness, talk about just over the last couple of generations, we've gone from our parents and grandparents who were able to buy a modest home pay it off, retire, burn the mortgage, to baby boomer generation that will continue to pay a mortgage well into our retired years. And now, sadly, subsequently, future generations are thinking, well, at least you have a mortgage. The possibility of being being able to stay here in the Bay Area and afford a home is just absolutely beyond my reach. So speak to that issue of of the lack of hope and the importance of what we'll call for maybe a better term, hope casting from a biblical or scriptural perspective.
2: OK, oftentimes uh, uh, I talk to young men all the time and I've been, we've been feeding, like I said, the homeless and everything else for 30 years. And I've seen them and, and they've gotten to the point where they don't think that they're going to make it, you know, so 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 th- there's no hope. And so, again, what we must preach is that there is hope in Jesus Christ. There is hope. He's the only hope that we have. I use the word hope and uh, I do an acronym on it, helping other people excel. And we got to get to the point where we help other people, except not about just us. And I think that we live in a selfish world that cares about ourselves and the heck with everybody else. And so we got to give people hope. We got to preach hope and make sure that the people understand that, yes, you can. He says that I can do all things through Christ that strengthen me. And I share people all the time. Yes, you do have hope. You're more than a conqueror. You follow what I'm saying? But I can't go uh, somewhere and somebody's telling me, listen to this, telling me that, you know, I'm on alcohol. You know what I mean? You shouldn't be on alcohol. And the reason why, well, well, I already know I'm on alcohol. Give me some hope through this. Or, Or you're on drugs. You're nobody. Well I already know that, but give me some hope through this. What, what what what's the alternative? What else are you gonna offer me? And I think that we're not offering them anything. We got this television, we got uh the TikTok, we got all of those things that are poisoning our children and to combat all of that we got to give them hope man, and let them know that yes you can I tell them all the time yes you can listen well, how, you say how do you know you can listen you're looking at a young man that was 17 years on welfare not because we wanted to be but because we had to be I know what it's like going in the refrigerator and didn't have any food I grew up like that I know what it's like to um I know what it's like to wake up and you don't know what you're gonna eat the next day. I know what it is like on the 16th. My mother got $116 with eight kids in the house and she had $116. How are you gonna divide that? And I I make people laugh about it now. I said that i never forget, we had Oreo cookies, man. Uh, We had Oreo cookies, those Oreo cookies with the white in the middle and the the chocolate on the outside. And that was our delicacy on the 16th. But the terrible thing is, on the 18th, there's no more cookies. We don't have any more, you follow what I'm saying? And so I used to to be in pain. And and as I grew up as an adult, if you come to my house right now, you probably got about 10 packs of Oreo cookies. I told my wife, we'll never run out of Oreo cookies. (laughs) You follow what I'm saying? Because I remember I didn't have anything, man. And, um, and, and, but God, and so don't tell me that you cannot pull yourself up of the wheelchair. We grew up on welfare for 17 years of my life. And I was determined that that will never happen to my family because we had hope and my my sons, my oldest son is 41 years old we've never experienced having to be on welfare so now i'm not doubting i'm not knocking people that have to do that but what i'm saying is that i think that we ought to use that to bounce off of if you need it you feel what i'm saying don't stay there and relax there and say it's it's okay you know what i mean because then you 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 have put a lid on the top of where you can be I've had a business for eight years. I've made more money than I ever made before in my life for eight years. This was years ago. But what I'm saying is the possibilities are there. And so every chance I get, man, I preach the hope of Jesus Christ. Because you're not talking about somebody that have not experienced it. I have experienced it. You know what I mean? And God has been good.
1: Our conversation today with Reverend Kevin Barnes, Sr., Senior Pastor of the Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church. We'll take a brief time out, return to more of our conversation in just a moment.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back. We're talking with Bishop Kevin Barnes Sr., Senior Pastor at Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church. Bishop Barnes, I want to return to where we left off just a moment ago. Does the church overall, and I don't mean the the organization as much as the the body of Christ, do we need to shift our thinking? And I ask that question for this reason. We read statistics all the time, Bishop, about low church attendance, We're seeing even new categories now where it's gone from people that might be of a Protestant background, Catholic background, whatever the case might be, to being nuns, Mm -hmm. meaning they have never been exposed to Christianity at any point in their life whatsoever. They are of zero faith, whereas most of us grew up being able to at least have an understanding, if not an appreciation, of the faith of our fathers. And now this generation has no faith at all. And I think that the the church to a degree, and here's my question, the church to a degree seems to be uh, almost in a hyperactive sense, extremely critical of everything going on around us we're, we're easy to find fault mm-hmm. we're easy to blame sure. we're easy to dump sure. the responsibility on somebody else's lap and what you're describing though is is an entirely different attitude quite frankly it's it's a scriptural attitude where instead Absolutely. of bringing blame we need to bring hope and that notion of helping other people excel takes the focus off of self and puts it on others, which, quite frankly, is just exactly what Jesus said. He asked the question, am I my brother's keeper? And I think the answer to that question is yes. Absolutely. Yes.
2: Yes, yes, yes. And and that's what we have to do. Uh, We are our brother's keeper. Uh, And I was sharing with the people of God just this Sunday. I said, there are some people just waiting for you to say, I love you. They're just waiting for somebody to say, these guys do not want to be in jail, in prison. They don't want to do that. They're just looking for somebody to show them, not just say, but show them and share with them the love of Jesus Christ. You follow what I'm saying? The one that looks beyond our faults and still see our needs. The one that... That, uh, that, 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 that make sure that everything is good in our life. They need to see that and show that and share that with others. And I think that the critical part of just beating people up, I'm better than you and all that kind of stuff. Man, listen, we all put our pants on the same way. I tell people this all the time. And this is to give you the hope is that watch this, if you have a one bedroom apartment, you're just like the guy that has a five bedroom house. You say, well, wait a minute, I have a five bedroom house and he's just like me. Absolutely. You can't be in but one room at a time. Regardless, if you got a five bedroom house, you can't be. Let me see you be in five. You can't be in but one room at a time. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, you're like a guy that have 55 suits and you only have two suits. You're just like you can't wear but one at a time. Just make sure it's clean. You follow what I'm saying? And so I think that we have to get back to loving people, showing it, and tell them that there is hope. Because I still believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that uh, I'm more than a conqueror, that God is able to do it. Uh, we just have to get out there. And that's, like I said, that was my sermon yesterday. Let's go get them. Let's stop talking about it. And let's go and get them. Because there's so many that really all they want is somebody to show them and share with them the love of Jesus, man. That's all they want.
1: You know, if you look at the ministry of Christ on earth, um, there are countless stories recounted in the New Testament of how he right. brought hope to the brokenhearted. And you know, think Absolutely. back. And, and, and I'm going to challenge Absolutely. listeners eavesdropping on our conversation today. Think back <laughs> to when your son or daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter was three or four years old. We all ask the mm-hmm. question, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" What did they typically say? <clears throat> they might have said I'd like to be governor I'd like to be a doctor, a fireman whatever the case might be. They had aspirations they had dreams and then as they grew up Mm -hmm. the circumstances around them within their household, their family their community, their neighborhood started to beat them down and slowly inch by inch, it doesn't happen overnight, it happens over a projected period of time, protracted period of time, that hope was stolen away from them And and I think if at the very core of the message is renewal and restoration of course the gospel message is all about restoration of our relationship with god but god doesn't stop there i think he also wants to see restoration taking place in relationships along the horizontal plane in addition to the vertical plane and so that sense of the church getting out there and let's stop this nonsensical, nonstop criticism of each other, and instead find ways in which we can come together, lift each other up, help other people excel, as you mentioned earlier. I think we can not only see a major change within our churches, but also a major change within our communities as well.
2: I agree. I agree one hundred percent. And uh, again, help other people excel. And again, you know, take take that light up off of ourselves. Do you know what I'm saying? James talk about look at the man in the mirror. You know what I mean? When we look at the fact uh, of the mirror, uh, man, we see ourselves. And 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 watch this. We don't look the same early in the morning as we do later on. You know what I mean? And so and so take that part and try to help somebody else, man, to be able to become all that they can be. I get pride and joy of of helping someone else. I, I we have God. That's a, a part of my ministry. Some of them have been in prison 25 years. They love the ministry. Some of them have been in prison 10 years. Some of them, have been, you know what I mean? And, and their lives have changed, man, because of the Word of God. And they don't have nobody putting them down, uh, you follow me. saying? They don't have nobody telling them that what you can't do. It's always about what you can do. You follow me. With Christ, all things are possible. Amen. So it's about what you can do. Don't tell me that you can't get a job. There's a job out there. And if there's not a job out there, make a job. Two of my sons are entrepreneurs, you, you follow what I'm saying? Because they saw their father, you follow what I'm saying? And so my point is, is that you can make things happen. I told people that if I was a full-time at the church, I will probably be out there selling pencils because everybody can use a pencil. I will be doing something, you follow what I'm saying? And so the whole point is, is man, is that, again, showing people and sharing people that, you know, you, you can. And, and I, I, one of the things that I did with my sons, and I think that that's why they're successful, is that we didn't use can in my house. We didn't use can't. In the house, my wife and I, we never used can We always told her, there's a possibility, we can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can make it. Yes, you can, and, and they grew up with that mentality of, yes, you can, yes, you can, yes, you can. Stop telling your kids that you know, you're know just like your no good daddy and stuff like that, and they're gonna still, what they're gonna do? They're gonna be like their no good daddy, because yeah. you just told them that's what they could be. Mm-hmm. Start putting in those kids' hearts and mind what they can be with Jesus Christ, how they can succeed, how you can be a law-abiding citizen, even if you made some mistakes, how God still loves you and want to make sure that you're able uh, to, you know, God wanna, and I tell people this all the time, God I want to be able to use you to reach other people. You follow what I'm saying? No matter what you've been through. And there's a good indication that the reason why he allowed you to go through what you went through so that you can go through it and understand it and share it with somebody else. You feel what I'm saying? And so that is it. We have a thing at our church called It's a Man Thing. Do you not know that there was one occasion that we had 100 men that showed up? 100 men that showed up and what we were teaching them about what a father really is and what I you know there's no handbook that says what a man is so you got a lot of guys growing up nobody never told them what a man was they have no idea what a man is. And so now they spend 60, 70 years of their life trying to figure it out because nobody ever shared with them what a man is. Nobody never shared with them what a real husband is. Nobody rather, never shared with them what a father really is. So you got all of these missing parts in, in in people's lives that they need to fulfill. You follow what I'm saying? Because nobody took the time out to do it. It's a man thing. We've been doing that now uh, every, every quarter for about... Uh, probably about eight years, and it has been sponsored by no one it 's been sponsored by our church. you feel what i 'm saying we feed them i have a, I have a deal that I deal with a close uh, a, a local store and they give me clothes to give to these guys uh, you know what I mean to share with them and and we have testimonies and you know those kind of things uh, man and uh God has just been good with that and sharing with them that what a man really is you know what I mean because you can 't look at you can 't look at the rappers or you can 't look at television. And see what a man is. What does God say a man is? A man is one that take care of his responsibility. You make sure that you take care of your responsibility. You put some ownership in taking care of what God has given to you.
1: And, and the evidence is in that power of the positive reinforcement that, that literally stands Absolutely. as a testimony of the power of the gospel to change lives. Uh, Bishop Barnes, as our time wraps exactly. up today, for folks eavesdropping today and saying, wow, I like this man's enthusiasm and his energy <laughs> And I got to get me some of that. Maybe they're new to the San Francisco Bay Area looking for a new church home. Tell us a bit about what God is doing in and through Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church. And let me quickly mention uh, for folks here in Northern California, you have two campuses, one located on 33rd Street in the city of Oakland and the other on Sonoma Boulevard in Vallejo. Just take a minute and tell us a bit about what God is doing.
2: Well, God is doing some great things at uh, our campus in Vallejo from 8 to 9. We don't be in church all day from 8 to 9, one hour, 551 Sonoma Boulevard. And what God is doing, uh, I I never forget that I I share with the Lord. I said, Lord, Lord, had me to open up a campus in Vallejo. And I said, God, I said, okay, if we're going to open up this campus, God, we're going to have to take care of it, you know what I mean? And he has throughout the years. And what we're doing there is sharing with the people early morning how great God is. And they're walking out of there. We do things for kids. We have a children's ministry in both campuses. We bring food to even the Vallejo campus. We're helping about three or four other churches with food. So God is doing a lot of things. Uh, It's a man thing. It's for our uh, uh, it's one church, two locations. And so everything that we do in Oakland, Oakland is like the corporate church, and we put it all together. Uh, we have a, a, a ministry, women's ministry. We have prayer at eight o'clock in the morning with the women, and then we have prayer at eight o'clock on Saturday mornings with the men. On Monday, we have corporate prayer. Uh, we have on Wednesday at four o'clock, uh, Wednesday motivation, where we just motivate people, uh, online. Uh, then at seven o'clock, we have Bible class, uh, online as well. And, uh, it is just, it's just, a um, amazing to see the people that contact us about the word of God and what they're doing in their lives and so we're excited about it uh, the other ministry that we have is each one reach one that we make sure that, that everybody, you bring everybody that you can to the ministry, to church, you follow what I'm saying to hear what does say the Lord you follow what I'm saying, we have a dress code the dress code is whatever you feel like wearing you feel what I'm saying, <laughs> it's no suits and ties and all of that kind of stuff um, whatever you want to wear, it doesn't matter and I want to invite those that are listening right now come out and uh, one young lady was there this past sunday and this lady says i've never been to a service like that you follow what i'm saying where we were really sharing them what the gospel of jesus christ how much god loves them how much god has a plan for their life but not only do you have a plan but you also have a purpose Amen. and so we were sharing that with them and it's just it's, it's just amazing five one zero six five three zero three one five 510-653-0315.
1: More information about Abyssinian Missionary Baptist Church, again with campuses in both Vallejo and Oakland, go online to abyssinianbaptist.wixsite.com. That's abyssinianbaptist.wixsite.com. Reverend Dr. Kevin Barnes Sr., thank you so much for your time today, Pastor. It's been a delight and a tremendous okay. education.
2: God bless you. God keep you. And we love you so much. Thank you very much.